AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. The upper Midwest is getting ready for a monster of a winter storm. It has already taken shape in the northern plains. The storm front on Thursday is expected to extend from coast to coast. We'll get all the details there. And President Biden made a surprise trip over the weekend. We'll discuss the signals his trip into a war zone sent. Live from the second Monday of the week via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Ohio State climatologist Aaron Wilson. Then we'll sort out the signals from the noise with pro-farmer policy OG Jim Wiesmeyer. Right after the news, Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis. Hey, thank you, buddy. How's it yeah. going? Well, it, things are okay for now, but uh, uh, I, ta- I tell you what, talk about timely getting Aaron in here, Aaron Wilson from Ohio State, yeah. uh, state climatologist, talk about the weather. Uh, we, we scheduled him early last week because I wanted to get his springtime outlook. Well, pretty fortunate to have a weather guy on this morning to talk about this storm that is going to be making its way and rolling across the country you know we've when you look at the regional forecasts uh-huh. davis this thing just blows me away we're talking about the potential for two foot of snow up in the twin cities areas okay minneapolis st paul mm-hmm. and the risk of severe storms um tornadoes down along the gulf coast the mm-hmm. the temperature difference on each side of the front it is going to be like mind-blowing is what it sounds like so looking at the uh, it's going to be crazy yeah looking at the forecast maps i think we here in the southern outpost are going to shoot the gap and it might get a little chilly for a while is that about it i think that's about it for us pretty (laughs) sure you, you may be just south just south of what could be some very heavy uh i think so I think some so. very heavy ice in southern Iowa and so on. So yeah, yep. I, I mean it's uh it it is a big, big storm that is developing, no question. And set to so. fire off uh is it tomorrow already? Or yeah, later tomorrow, on? Yeah. Tomorrow afternoon in okay. our area, in my area up here in northeast Iowa. But yeah. uh yeah, the winter storm watches and warnings and advisories are already out there and and people are taking note. So at least I hope people are taking note of what's coming their way. Yeah. All right, man, let's get to the news. What do you got? Well, Chip, in a national address today, Russian leader Vladimir Putin insisted that he would not pull back from his invasion of Ukraine, suggesting the war will continue for a long time. He also said Russia would suspend participation in its last major nuclear arms control treaty with the United States. Putin noted Russia has all the financial resources it needs to guarantee its national security and development despite Western economic sanctions. 
saying Russian firms had rebuilt their supply chains and that Moscow was working with other countries to build new payment systems and financial architecture. Yeah, well, the rest of the world has to participate in that that uh, new financial architecture if it's going to have any efficiency to it at all, and I don't know if that's going to happen, but... But it's ramping up again, Davis. There, yeah. there, there is, is, there is no reason that President Biden would make the trip to Ukraine like he did, mm-hmm. unless uh, the tensions were were on the rise, and and obviously they are. EPA Administrator Michael Regan will visit East Palestine, Ohio, today amid mounting reports of rashes, headaches, nausea and other symptoms that residents fear could be related to the February 3rd derailment of a train carrying toxic chemicals. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg told reporters on Monday he also plans to visit the community, quote, when the time is right, and announced new efforts by his agency to improve rail safety. Home Depot missed Wall Street's revenue expectations for the first time since November 2019. The home improvement retailer provided a muted outlook for fiscal 2023 and expects sales growth to be approximately flat. Now, with fourth quarter earnings season nearly complete, the net profit margin of companies in the S&P 500 has fallen to 11.3% based on actual results and analyst estimates for companies that have yet to report. Yeah, yeah. Well, your next story here fits right in with that. Yes. Meanwhile, business activity in the Eurozone grew unexpectedly quickly in February, according to estimates released today, bolstering hopes that the bloc's economy will avoid a recession. Yeah. And on Wednesday, we will get the minutes of the last FOMC meeting. So we'll get a little more detail about what went into that quarter point increase in the Fed funds rate. U.S. natural gas futures fell further below $2.30 on Friday, the lowest since September 2020. That brought the weekly decline to almost 10% as mild weather kept heating demand weak and stockpiles above usual levels. Meanwhile, prices in Europe declined to the lowest level since August 2021 as regions' energy crises are easing. Chip alarmed by shipping chaos and geopolitical fractures, exporters from China are reportedly setting up factories in Mexico to preserve their sales to the United States. (laughs) Moving things closer while we Uh continue to try to move things home. Yeah. And quickly here, North Korea fired two short-range missiles off its east coast just two days after it launched an intercontinental missile toward Japan. The flurry of launches prompted Japan's prime minister to request an emergency meeting of the U.N. Security Council. And finally, Vice President Kamala Harris said she plans to run as President Joe Biden's running mate in 2024. Chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Karen Bonert from the Farm Journal's Milk. Good morning, Karen. Hello, Chip. So talk to me about the story that you did on DairyHerd.com and developing leaders from the employees that may already be working on your dairy. Well, yeah, often an open position chip on a dairy can lead to much more. And for example, there was one Wisconsin dairy employee who came to the U.S. when he was 20 years old and began milking cows. And like many, he came to the U.S., right, to find the American dream. But this employee, Omar, he learned English. He began learning other responsibilities, too, like uh, breeding cows. And he began reading about leadership for both his personal and professional development that just really helped sharpen his skills and developing others to reach their full potential. He, he is a, a truly a remarkable story. 
And the quick story on Omar is, yes, he went from milking cows and not speaking English to becoming a business partner in a 3,000-cow dairy. Wow. So while Omar is living the real American dream, you might say, how many Omars are really out there, Karen? And the real yeah. question for dairy producers to think about is, Chip, who's that 20-year-old killed kid milking cows in your parlor that has potential to do more someday? Manage your dairy or step in as an owner. Um, and furthermore is how does producers help them meet that potential, right? How yep. do you help grow and develop your employees? Personally, yep. for us, we have employees who know they're good milkers. They didn't want to move into another position because they take pride in doing a good job and were scared of failure. But you might just need to nudge them on and continue that conversation. And for us, our employee, Terry, who said he'd only milk cows, now also runs the barn and yep. drives a skid loader. So keep your eyes open to employees that can move up to another job and those diamonds in the roughs like the Omars out there that can maybe be your next manager or business partner. It's a kind of a remarkable story. It really is. Typically, they will find you. You just need to be willing to see it. Absolutely. Uh, Keep your eyes open, right? Exactly. Keep your eyes open. And, and, you know, sometimes you've got to uh, be willing to Accept that idea that, hey, this guy is is a whole lot uh, more ambitious than what I'd given him credit for. Great stuff, Karen. Dairyherd.com, that's where you go to get the rest of the story. We're having a conversation with Aaron Wilson, state climatologist of Ohio, next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. We don't make the news. We render it. Agritalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Jim Laurie. Glad that you were with us this morning. You know what, Davis? It does feel like a Monday morning. I mean, big time like a Monday morning, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm on my oh. I'm on my third cup of coffee here. Uh, that's that's about right for Monday. We're right on okay. schedule. Yeah. All right. Very good. Very good. Uh, glad that you are with us. Let's uh, bring in Aaron Wilson. Uh, Aaron is at Ohio State University with the Extension Department there. He's the state climatologist of Ohio. Got to... Uh, uh, meet him last fall over at the Ohio's uh, Farm Science Review, and uh, we're getting him back on right now. Aaron, welcome back. How are you? Hey, not too bad. Thank you for having me. Glad that you are here on this week. Uh, Aaron, my goodness gracious, there is a serious storm head, heading uh, across the country this week. Tell us about it. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, pretty big storm, pretty typical of winter. Uh, which, you know, really has been largely missing, you can say, from eastern Kansas uh, eastward through Ohio uh, this this winter. You know, very warm conditions out there, mostly rain. We haven't seen a lot of snow, but 
uh, for places like uh, South Dakota, Minnesota, stretching over to Wisconsin, even parts of northern Nebraska and Iowa, uh, quite a snow, quite a, a snow and ice event coming here. And that stretches even farther east into portions of Michigan as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, winter is the time for that, although we're yeah. starting to get a little long in winter. And I know a lot of us are thinking about the upcoming uh, planning and growing seasons. But, um, yeah, we still have a lot of winter to go, I think. Yeah, and this storm front, it's not just the upper Midwest. It, it looks like the Gulf states are in in for some severe weather uh, Wednesday into Thursday as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this time of the year, you know, we're starting to, that transition uh, to, towards spring conditions. Certainly the south has been enjoying very warm conditions, but you get these systems coming out, um, kind of getting kicked up once they cross the Rockies there. Uh, in the central plains, a lot of warm air surging north. I know here in Ohio, we're going to surge well back into the 70s, maybe even mid-70s for highs on Thursday. So tremendous warmth uh, south of that warm front and uh, east of the cold front. Um, and, and so we'll probably kick up a lot of showers and thunderstorms across the south central and certainly into the Ohio Valley on the warm side of the front. And again, that ice and snow there on the backside. Yeah. Can the soil take the water? Or it, it, it it's not frozen over there, is it? No, no. As a matter no. of fact, you know, so... It varies a little bit from uh, region to region across the United States right yeah. now. You know, for a while, we've been dealing with very dry conditions out west. We know all about California's atmospheric rivers, and they're probably likely, uh, you know, obviously they're they're getting more rainfall, more snowfall out there as well. Um, it's been a bit better after a very dry fall, you know, for parts of the eastern Corn Belt region. We were very dry over here in Ohio, uh, but we've had some, uh, you know, decent rainfall uh, since the first of the year really helped. We've got some, you know, capacity here to still take on a little bit of water in places uh, and it, it's touch and go in, in different parts of uh, the, um, uh, the, the country here. I think mm -hmm. we will likely see over the, you know, the next several weeks throughout spring, some drought improvement across the Northern Plains, uh, maybe parts of Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, and, and where we've got some lingering drought conditions. Yeah. Um, we're, we're likely to see some improvements in that portion of the country as well. Right. Right. Um, some of the, some areas out in the central plains i'm i'm thinking specifically of a uh, of a tweet that someone tagged agritalk in uh, frank thank you so much it's uh, uh talking about the potential to get to like 65 or 70 inches of snow on the year in some of those areas in northern nebraska this is uh as as you said it it has been a uh, an active winter in some areas but what it what is what what what's happening aaron what are what's causing the pattern change yeah so um you know we we have been in a la nina now for three years um and typically la nina is pretty active at least the impacts are really active uh in the united states during our winter time a uh, la nina just means cooler than average sea surface temperatures in the tropical Pacific. And uh, we get a certain weather pattern that sets up. Typically, the polar jet stream becomes really amplified. Uh, so you, you see a number of systems moving through the country. The Ohio Valley tends to get wet, especially after the first of the year. So it has been an active season there. Uh, we always, you know, it can be warm or cool. It depends on what's happening in the Arctic. Uh, the cold air has largely been bottled up across the north, except for a couple of really uh, really strong cold air outbreaks, yeah. you know, the one back before Christmas that was yep. really, really cold for, for a short period of time and just a big change in temperature. But overall, these are what we've seen this year has been pretty typical of La Nina, highly variable temperatures, 
um, and, and a very active system, uh, storm systems, multiple storm systems across the country. So, you know, parts of parts of that area, obviously, in the central plains uh, can use the moisture. Nebraska, Kansas, you know, they're, yeah. they're still seeing some extreme and uh, severe extreme and even exceptional drought areas there overall. So, um, you know, once that snowpack melts, obviously, that's going to help. We'll see how fast it, it melts and uh, how that might contribute to flooding or stuff. All these things are interplaying. But yeah, yeah. basically La Nina, uh, and we're likely to transition out of uh, La Nina now toward what we call Enso neutral over the next yep. uh, couple of months into our spring and early summer. Um, and typically Enso doesn't have a big impact in our summertime, although we'll have to watch again how that transpires from what's typically a more active system to maybe less active, but there's still a lot of questions um, as we, we do make that transition. Okay. What does that be? go far out West for us? Because yeah. it, it's been such a terrible drought uh, out there with the reservoirs at unbelievably low levels. This, this uh, transition to Enso neutral, what does that mean for the West coast? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Cause in La Nina, typically, um, we don't see a lot of systems in California like we did this year. So it's a little bit different. And, you know, we, we um, you know, so just like everything, no forecasting is, is perfect or one-to-one. -one. Typically, we wouldn't see an atmospheric river scenario like that in the far west. That's more indicative if you remember the 1998 drought or the 1998 El Nino. Typical El Nino conditions bring in those stormy conditions in the far west. Uh, but alas, we we saw it this year, and we're continuing to see more moisture. And I think uh, for the West, as we see that that transition, um, maybe not this year, but toward El Nino as we head into next winter, uh, which the early models that's what you know the early model guidance is is okay. indicating next winter. Uh, typically, El Nino, we would expect a, a wetter condition there across parts of Northern California, for instance. So, gotcha. um, you know, we have, you know, backed down the drought a bit. I think the, you know, more important than the rain falling is the store snowage, uh, the snow storage, obviously, yep. in the high altitudes. Uh, you know, that's that's really critical for helping those those reservoirs fill as melt yeah. season gets underway. Um, yep. So what I think it's it's something to watch. Um Certainly that the West has been entrenched in a in drought most of the time now for a very yeah. long period of time. So I would yep. expect well, slight improvements it, there. Yeah, and we're, and we're going to see the river levels on the Mississippi, the Ohio, the Illinois. Those are all going to improve after this this la or this anticipated storm system rolls through too, won't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously things are still frozen across the Missouri, yep. so we have to wait on that water, and that's a, a different system. Uh, but certainly some more water coming down the Mississippi from from these systems, the Ohio, uh, you know, a lot of the tributaries in, in most of Ohio, for instance, are doing pretty well, except for some lingering dry conditions, okay. parts of western Ohio, parts of Indiana and Illinois still. But uh, with this active system, we still expect the next four to eight weeks to be fairly active. Uh, the outlooks okay. do show pretty above average precipitation likely from the Climate Prediction Center for the next few weeks. So that's likely to continue to improve the Ohio River levels and then eventually the Mississippi levels as well. Okay. Okay. Just a couple of minutes left. Uh, talk to me about your spring outlook for the the heart of the Corn Belt. Yeah. So um, if you look at the uh, primarily relying on the Climate Prediction Center, I mean, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit of my own guidance, but also thinking about the conditions that we're likely to see, um, you know, as we transition, nothing's very rapid. I do expect the southern tier of the the ag belt to to be probably a little bit warmer than average. 
probably cooler than average in places like North Dakota and Montana uh, over the next three months. Um, as still, as we transition from La Nina, we're still feeling those La Nina impacts certainly through March and maybe even April and May as well. Uh, so if you look at those um, those outlooks, it certainly looks wet for the eastern portion of the, the ag belt, maybe a, a bit closer to equal chances of near normal as you head toward western Iowa, parts of the Dakotas, Nebraska, and Kansas. Okay. Uh, but again, that wet signal, I think, lingers at least into the first part of spring. Uh, and then as we transition more farther out of La Nina conditions, we'll wait to see how rapidly we switch to a bit drier conditions as we head into the summer. Right now, the Climate Prediction Center shows wetter than average, probably lingering into the summer for the Eastern Corn Belt, uh, maybe not as wet for the Western Corn Belt. Yeah, yeah. The the pace of the transition, how quickly we transition to an ENSO neutral, that kind of has an influence on the uh, how much activity we get in the weather patterns too, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it can. And, and obviously, okay. we are transitioning pretty rapidly. I mean, yeah. at least pretty steadily right now. Um, although these things don't, Jeez. you know, they're, they're not on off switches, obviously. Right. So the pattern is, is locked in. That's why I think this early spring period for the okay. Eastern Corn Belt may be a bit challenging. Gotcha. May set up for a few challenges as we get to planting season. But gotcha. uh, as I always say, just be prepared for the windows when they open. Let's take advantage That's right. of them. Aaron, um, that's thank, the best advice. We are out of time. Aaron, thank you so much. I appreciate you, man. We've got hey, thank Jim you. Wiesmeyer up next here on AgriTalk. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. And joining us now is ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Beach, big news out of Argentina over the weekend. It's got the bean market higher. Yeah, that, uh, you know, the equivalent of a, a midsummer frost, uh, just, you know, the unusual, I guess, is the best way to say it. But uh, probably had some damage uh, to the crop. Uh, be a little bit of time here before we know for certain. But uh, uh, definitely sparking buyer interest in the soybean market and the soy meal market this morning, both of which are, are heavily impacted, uh, obviously, by the Argentine situation. Uh, soy oil. Uh, it's trading to the upside as well, so the entire soy complex is higher. But uh, we've seen the buyer interest back off in both the corn and wheat markets, and, and corn is trading mildly to the downside here, uh, just a slightly weaker tone. And, and uh, the wheat market is being led lower by uh, pretty solid losses in the SRW contracts right now. Yeah, it seems like the spreaders are still active on the sell side of the SRW, but maybe offsetting that with a long position in HRW. Yeah, uh, so, you know, we got some really cold temps coming in uh, here in the next couple nights uh, for the, the plains, and, and so we'll see. I, I don't think there will probably be yeah. much winter kill issues uh, with the HRW crop, but uh, that's giving that a little market, a little right. bit of support here mid-morning anyway. Gotcha. Boy, take us over to Hogs. Big move. Explosive move. Uh, we've kind of been waiting on this, uh, you know, with the futures uh, just kind of sitting there and chopping around as the cash market strengthens seasonally. And uh, we start off the new week coming off the holiday weekend with uh, explosive gains, gapped higher and, and just, just shot the sharp gains. Uh, so um, that's the story of the day so far in livestock. But uh, the cattle markets are also trading to the upside just with a much more cautious tone so far. Excellent. Thank you, Brian. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Normally, normally to get the week started, pro-farmer policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer and I will do a, a podcast called Signal to Noise. It, the the markets were closed yesterday the the uh, government was closed yesterday and and quite frankly we took a day off from it but we're coming back and I'm going to get a download from Jim on what's going on around the world right now Jim welcome back to the show buddy how are you today it's good to be here chip and i'm about to catch a plane to go to missouri to speak to my beloved missouri uh, pork producers but you know monday was busy for me. Uh, President Biden made a secret trip to Kiev uh, Monday and met with uh, Ukraine's uh, uh, leader. So that shows his commitment, Chip. Yep. Okay. Jim, it, on, we continue to hear how much, especially from the White House, how much the U.S. is standing with Ukraine uh, to the point that I'm not exactly sure how it was referenced, but there was uh, there was some sort of a reference to even providing some support to Ukraine so, so that they can pay Ukrainian citizens their pensions or something like that. We're to the no, point. I have not that- seen that, but I'll definitely check into that. That would be an escalation that I don't think that would uh, yeah. go down well with some Republicans in the uh, uh, in Congress. That's the point that I'm getting to here is that the support is not a rubber stamp for spending in Ukraine any longer. Uh, it, it's, uh, it seems like there's, uh, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but, but there is, it's getting support, financial support for Ukraine through co- Congress is going to be more difficult going forward. Isn't it? Well, they, they, uh, you know, the Republicans, uh, have mentioned and they should, frankly, an accounting of the, uh, uh, you know, billions of dollars spent so far, and uh, the Financial Times has a story out that Ukraine has actually only received, like uh, uh, I think, up to half of the pledged, uh, you know, funding. Now we'll have to go through country by country on that, Jeff. But you know, you know, that's a whole other issue. Okay, what was accomplished with President Biden's trip to Ukraine? Well, it, it's a clear signal that uh, at least U.S. support, but it was also signal to our Western allies that, uh, you, you know, stay with us. And uh, it preceded 
uh, Russian leader Vladimir Putin's uh, annual State of the Union address that he came out swinging okay. as only Putin can, blaming the West for the start of the war. Of course, that's uh, incorrect. And uh, bottom line, Chip, this is going to be a much longer war than anyone realized. Well, well, I think it already is. We're just a couple, two or three days away from the one-year anniversary of uh, of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and and I I do believe that President Putin thought that it was going to be a three-month adventure uh, yeah. to take back Ukraine. A colossal mistake. And then also over the weekend, you had the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, Linda Thomas uh, Greenfield, on CNN said the U.S. Uh, China uh, the Chinese military aid if any, would be a red line. That uh, uh, corresponds to what Secretary of State Blinken said, that uh, the, the U.S. feared lethal aid from China to Russia. So uh, there's that red line coming up again. It doesn't have the cloud it used to have ever since uh, Obama you know, didn't live up to uh, his, his red line. Chip. But, you know, one of Pro Farmers China watchers is Bill Bishop, and he said the U.S.-China relationship is about as bad as it has been in decades. And if China does give so-called lethal aid to Russia, then expect the bottom to fall out. Now, that's significant, Chip, and that has a lot of market implications. It certainly does. It certainly does, Jim. Okay. Um, anything else on, on the trip that we need to be up to speed on no i don't think he uh you know uh president biden gives a major speech in poland if he hasn't done already i think he's yeah. nearing uh so i would listen to that but i i think that's the key points this this war is entrenched yeah. and uh, now you're going to see additional aid pour forth for ukraine so the next step is uh, watching uh, what China does relative to additional aid. And if yeah. they do, uh, we have to watch other countries that they can aid through, Chip. So it's not going to be as overt as one might think. So okay. this, this is elevated in, in, in importance once again. Just shortly following, Chip, uh, recent Chinese pivots to be nicer to the U.S. and the Western world. That is on abeyance right now. Yeah. Yep, it, uh, it, it's uh, heady times, heady yes. times, and the anxiety level is up a around the world as we as we get uh, close to that one year anniversary. Okay, um, there, <laughs> dude, it got cold in Argentina. Uh, <laughs> frost on the on a bean crop. It's like getting frost in August, is what yeah, I understand. It yeah, it will be a it should be a market you know impact. Uh, and yeah, this shows the volatility and weather is far from over and should be a warning to us markets that we don't even have the seed in the ground yet and get ready. And we'll see a lot of commentary this week, Thursday and Friday chip with USDA's annual outlook conference. right. So when you prepare for the annual outlook forum, uh, what what are you looking forward to the most? Uh, um, really the hallway chats, the tone, uh, what, what would do the majority of analysts and other market participants who are at the confab and a lot come to it, Chip, yep. kind of overall tone. And from the administration, 
uh, Secretary Vilsack will be there. I think he's going to focus on farm labor. So we'll have to look at some of his comments on that. But it's really the consensus on a market tone of what industry uh, stakeholders are, are saying relative to the year ahead. Yeah. Yeah. We've always called it USDA's first unofficial look at the year ahead for the balance sheets. And with as much discussion as there has been over, you know, how many acres we're going to have for corn and soybeans this year, that's that's probably going to catch my attention first. Oh, definitely. The the acreage battle uh, is big time. And remember, you these are just USDA's guesstimates, if you will, yep. uh, you know, based on some analysis, but it's not based on any, you know, survey. So some in the private industry are getting just as good as USDA, I think, on, on acreage intentions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think there's any question. But um, if if you or I go ahead and say, listen, we think that this is what corn acres are going to be. This is what soybean acres are going to be. Yeah, some people might pay attention, but when USDA chief economist says it, uh, it carries a little different weight in the marketplace, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. They're the template. And yeah. again, they'll set the barometer as far as direction, Chip. Are yeah. we up more on soybeans or down relative to a year ago? Same for corn. And right. what is the spread? Right. And uh, what other crops are feeling the impact of a more robust corn and soybean uh, market, cotton, sorghum, et cetera? Right, right. You know, it, it will be interesting to see if there is any indication that, that uh, Seth Myers and the, the group at the Ag Economist's office, if they've bought into the idea of the, that domestic uh, crush on soybeans is, is going to rise at a pretty you know astonishing rate here going forward yes well i'm going to also look at their demand for uh, meat especially hogs i'm i'm geared up going down to the pork producers but europe's swine inventory is down what seven and a half million from last december 12 million from two years ago chip and you've got record hog prices in most parts of europe and a big spread between european prices and the u.s that usually means greater pork exports from u.s and canada yeah yeah. Okay. All right. Um, are, are we going to get any indication? There's going to be farm bill chatter at, at the, the Outlook Forum. There's no question about that, right? Yes, and this week a number of outside groups, alliances, if you will, are gonna are gonna announce their one at once for the farm bill. That's usually the case, but uh, yeah, oh, we'll we'll have a lot on the farm bill, but it usually translates to we need more funding for this, this, and that <laughs> in an era now where we're talking thirty one point four trillion dollar debt. Yeah. Um, it, what is the status? Because we continue to hear, or at least I continue to hear, that the Senate has made significant progress on its version of the bill. And uh, over on the House side, Glenn Thompson, the, the House uh, Ag Committee chairman, it, it is, uh, is still, I shouldn't say still, he's very much in listening mode at this point yet, isn't he? 
Yeah, and and I think uh, they'll have other D.C. hearings in March, Chip, on the House Ag Committee side. I did note with interest they have the same number of, uh, on the Conservation Committee, they have the same number of Republicans as Democrats. I'm not quite sure why they did that, but I'm going to find out. But let's cut to the bottom line. The Farm Bill will be the differences between the two political parties' ideology, if you will, on food and nutrition spending, conservation spending and title one spending there are there are your triad issues of the farm bill and they may as well discuss them now because they're eventually going to have to yep gotcha gotcha okay we are in the middle of a conversation with pro farmer policy analyst jim wiesmeyer now when we come back uh we need to talk about what's going on in ohio We'll cover that. EPA Administrator Regan is going to be making a trip. Uh, as, As far as I understand, still no plans for President Biden to make the trip to Ohio. We'll come back and continue the conversation with Jim here in just a moment here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Willowwood Glufosinate 280SL, as low as $53 a gallon tote price when you pay cash and build a maximum qualifying FBN acre pack at fbn.com slash direct ends February 28th. Prices subject to change. TNC apply. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. We're getting the week started. Feels like a day late, but hey, we're up and running, ready to go. And that means that uh, we are getting an update on what's going on around the world from pro former policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Jim, uh, Administrator Regan at EPA is planning to make a trip to East Palestine, Ohio. And I'm just I'm telling you, man, this is one of the weirdest developing stories that I can recall. And, And the reason I say that is because it seemed like mainstream media didn't want to touch it, even though it had all the ingredients of a great mainstream media story, including the fear. And now, finally, it's getting the attention that the story has deserved for quite some time. What's going on? Yeah, it's odd. Even from the environmental activists, Chip, they were kind of quiet at the beginning. uh, But yeah, Regan uh, will visit East Palestine today, and that comes amid uh, those mounting reports, as you said, of rashes, headaches, nausea, and other symptoms uh, 
uh, that residents are saying uh, followed the February 3rd derailment of the train carrying toxic yeah. uh, chemicals. Now, Transportation Secretary Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg, told uh, reporters Monday that he also plans to visit the community, quote, when the time is right. That's not stopping former President Donald Trump from visiting the area this week as well, Chip. Well, uh, he he knows that when the media is turning its attention to a disaster like has happened there in Northeast Ohio, uh, former President Trump knows how to get attention. There's yeah, and, no question about that. Yeah, he'll he'll get attention on his thing. And then Norfolk Norfolk Southern is under scrutiny as the cleanup continues. So you, this is a big time story that has a, a, a legs, if you will. Yeah, yeah, it certainly does. Okay, uh, we will obviously be watching that very closely. Uh, and the other, a couple of other things we're watching closely is business activity in the U.S. and around the world seems to be ramping up. Uh, Jim, this this makes it more difficult for the Fed to figure out exactly what to do going forward, doesn't it? Well, I think it's it's not as difficult as the Fed as it is private financial traders who are fighting the Fed because the Fed's good, just going to continue to ratchet up the interest rates, Chip. But uh, I like good news. Walmart uh, posted uh, Walmart posted earnings and revenue that easily beat uh, expectations for the quarter. And uh, their their CEO uh, McMillan uh, said they're cruising into the new fiscal year now. Home Depot uh, said it would spend $1 billion to boost wages for its hourly workers. That's going to catch the Fed's yeah. attention, Chip. Yeah, it certainly will. Certainly will. Okay. Uh, and speaking of the Fed, of course, we get the FOMC meeting minutes. Any Is, is there any rumbling behind the release well, of the minutes? Well, we'll watch the exact commentary on Wednesday. Uh, from That's from from their January 31st to February 1 FOMC confab. And so th what, what will be closely monitored are the exact words from the uh, you know, uh, various Fed officials, Chip, on the duration of the interest rates, uh, when uh, any pivot will be made, and how high will the terminal uh, rate uh, defined as the highest rate on, on this yeah. go around that the Fed will increase uh, interest rates. But uh, more and more people are in that five to five and a half percent area by the end of the year, Chip, uh, for the Fed funds okay. rate. Okay, very good, very good. It is President's Day week. Uh, Kind of some sad news. Uh, 98-year-old Jimmy Carter has gone into hospice care in his, his hometown of Plains, Georgia. So we are thinking about um, President Carter, no question about that. And I thought we'd play a little bit of game, uh, of a game here, Jim, uh, to celebrate President's Day. Because at the end of your presentations, I know you put up the list of who the, the potential candidates on the Democratic side and on the Republican side for the 2024 presidential elections. Is that list getting any longer or is it getting any shorter? <laughs> is there any movement? It's interesting you said that because in my update, I, I now have another slide, actually two slides, other possibilities for Republicans and 
and the Democrats. I've added uh, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, South Dakota Governor Christy Nome, former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, and on the and on the Democratic side, I've added Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro, Colorado Governor Jared uh, Polis, and I'm including Vice President Kamala Harris, even though I didn't in my first rounds for, as I say, for reasons we well know. Okay. All right. Uh, somebody that is on the Democrats uh, list that it raises some eyebrows is uh, former First Lady Michelle Obama. Well, um, she's always at the last one I list. If she would run, which I don't think she will, Chip, she just doesn't like politics and she calls right. it a blood sport uh but if she were to run i usually say you know i think she could win it because it yeah. would uh resurrect the old o obama coalition yeah yeah absolutely and it it uh it would be an interesting effort to say the least and to see her in in that kind of a situation so okay let, let's get uh uh serious with the republican contenders here is it desantis is it uh nikki haley who's as of right now whose is it to lose well i think it's desantis however the more republicans enter the more odds you increase for former president trump because that's how he won a chip in 2016 yeah. because of the winner take all primary so that's why he loves people coming in right now because his his support is usually at that 30 percent area by the states and that usually garners him quite well in primary yep. contest but i think he's going to have trouble in new hampshire i i just don't see it so we'll gotcha. see if desantis can win that okay i got you jim hey buddy thanks so much for the download this morning appreciate it and sure. you travel safe okay thank you all right that is pro farmer policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Hey, thanks for listening this morning. We really appreciate it. Come back this afternoon. We are going to have a conversation with Tommy Grisafi from Advanced Trading right here on AgriTalk.